0: you guys, that was great. We're in a series called Why We Believe In, and last week we looked at why we believe in small groups, or actually uh, church growth. This week we're looking at why we believe in small groups. Uh, Rockbrook is not a church with small groups, we are a church of small groups. And we believe in small groups because we believe they're biblical. If you look on your outline on the screen there, Romans 12, 5 says, in Christ, we who are many form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. Three key words there. The word body, member, and belong. The Christian life is not just a matter of believing in Christ. Uh, It's a matter of belonging to the body of Christ. And it's a matter of becoming like Christ. Believing, belonging, and becoming. It takes all three of those for you to grow to be a mature disciple in Jesus Christ. And in our day, a lot of people think that all it means to follow Christ is just me and Jesus. It's just all about my relationship with Jesus. I don't need organized religion. I don't need community. I don't need other people. I don't need to be connected to a church. It's just me and Jesus. Nothing could be further from the truth. The Bible says over and over and over again that the church is a body and the church is a family. And every believer is to be a member of that body members of that family in fact the English word membership the English word member has biblical roots you know the concept of membership in the English language comes from the Bible Uh, in the Bible membership doesn't mean a secret handshake it doesn't mean paying your dues or just putting your name on a list to be a member carries with it the implication of being connected together like your hand is connected to your arm as a member of your body a disconnected hand is going to shrivel and die physically a christian who is disconnected from the body of christ is going to shrivel and die spiritually you know church is not just a place you go to it's not a building it's not just an event the bible tells us that the church is a family to belong to and it is a body to be a member of In fact, the church is going to outlast your physical body and your physical family. The church is going to outlast both of those. A couple of verses for you to read. First, Galatians 6.10. It says, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Every Christian, every believer belongs to the family. It belongs to all the other believers. And notice, we're supposed to be good to every, but especially to those who belong to the family of believers. It is a special relationship. It is a higher relationship that we have with one another as members of the church, the body of Christ. And would you uh, agree that there's a big difference between attending a service and belonging to a family? Yeah, and that's what God calls us to do, to belong to a family. Another verse, Ephesians 2:19. Now you are no longer strangers to God and foreigners to heaven. But you are members of God's very own family. Citizens of God's country. And you belong, there's that word again, you belong in God's household with every other Christian. Believing, belonging to the church, the family of God, the body of Christ. It's one of the five purposes that God made you for. You know, it fulfills the purpose of fellowship. Now, I don't know how to say it any clearer than this. You cannot follow jesus christ without being a part of his family you cannot follow jesus christ without being a member of his body without being connected to the church you must find a place where you are committed to god's people and where god's people are committed to you a place where you can fulfill and live out the 58 one another's that god commands us to do in the new testament and when people say well you know i i I love jesus but I, i don't want to be a part of the church uh, I'm going to follow Jesus, but I'm not going to get connected with the church. That's like saying, I want to play the tuba, but not be part of an orchestra. You know, there's not a big demand for tuba solos. Okay? That's like saying, uh, I want to be in the NFL, but not on any particular team. I just want to dress up in my own uniform and run willy-nilly out on the field on Sunday afternoons. They frown on that. Okay? It's like saying, I want to be a soldier in the army, but I don't want to be a part of any platoon or any unit. A rogue soldier in a combat situation is in a very dangerous place. You know, believing without belonging makes you a spiritual orphan. Believing without belonging prevents you from becoming all that God wants you to be. If you're going to become what God wants you to be, you've got to be attached. You've got to be connected, committed to the church. That's why we believe in small groups at Rockbrook Church. Because small groups are biblical When you look at the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, the first thing Jesus did when he began his ministry, it was not to start a church. It was not to build a building. It was to create a small group. Jesus knew the importance of a small group. He did his ministry through a small group. If I'm going to be like Jesus, I need a small group. The small group becomes my launch pad for God's other purposes for my life. It's the launch pad for worship, fellowship, discipleship, ministry, and evangelism.
1: Now there are many advantages to having small groups at a church. So let me quickly give you four of them. Here's four reasons why we believe in small groups. Small groups are relational. Small groups are relational. You cannot have a conversation with a crowd. You can't ask questions in a crowd. You can't pray specifically in a crowd, and you can't get support in a crowd. But in a small group where there's three or five or ten people, you can do that. And by the way, when I talk about small group, small is better. You get more than ten people in a group, then somebody's going to shut down. Somebody's not going to talk. So small is better. If the group is smaller, then the group dynamic includes everyone. Everyone gets to participate. So a church must grow larger and smaller at the same time. Large through weekend worship services, and smaller through small group fellowship. You know, this setting that we're in right here today, uh, there's a bunch of people in here. Would you rather sing with five people or 150 people? Trust me, you want me singing with 150 people. But you can't fellowship with 150 people. Also, we put you in rows, and we put you in rows to maximize the space in here and and to keep your attention focused on what's going going on up here. But you can't fellowship looking at the back of somebody's head. The purpose of the weekend service is worship and discipleship. There's not a lot of fellowship happening during the services. You know, before and after, maybe a little bit. The key to fellowship is to move from rows to circles. You've got to get out of rows in large groups and get into circles into small groups where we're face to face, where we can be relational. That's where we can have real fellowship. Our primary target, the people that we want to reach at Rockbrook, are those who don't know Christ or those who have been away from the church for a while. Those people are far less likely to sit in a classroom environment and listen to a teacher teach them about the deep meanings of Scripture. Yet that's what most churches offer when they offer Sunday school classes. Most of our people aren't interested in going back to school. They just want to meet some friendly people who will tell them uh, how becoming a believer in Jesus Christ is going to help them in their marriages, with their kids, with their jobs, with their finances, people who can pray for them. Small groups are so important to us that everyone on staff is in a small group. All of our pastors are currently leading small groups here at Rockbrook. Anyone serving in leadership role here at Rockbrook must be in a small group. Why is that so important for us on leadership? Because a small group is where you get your support. A small group is where you get your care and your fellowship. You know, if Jesus needed a small group, then I need a small group. And you need a small group. The night before Jesus went to the cross, he took his small group with him. The second thing uh, that tells us why small groups are, are valuable to our church is number two. Small groups are flexible. They can meet anytime, anywhere. You know, that could be Monday in a boardroom. That could be Tuesday in a classroom. That could be Wednesday after work at Starbucks. That could be Thursday night in a home. That can be Friday afternoon during lunch on a job site. They can meet anywhere. They're flexible. Jesus said, where two or more are gathered, there I am. That means anytime, anywhere. So they're very flexible. They don't de- they're not dependent on a building. They're not dependent on a home. The third value of small groups, number three, small groups are expandable. You can start them anywhere. You can start them any time, and you can actually export them. You can plant them in other cities. Here at Rockbrook, we've had a small group in every city surrounding our church. We've had one as far away as as Bates City. That's 40 40 miles from here. And number four, small groups are economical. They're economical. Our, Our church doesn't have to pay for the building, doesn't have to pay for the utilities, doesn't have to pay for the cleaning we don't have to pay for the upkeep you know you can only have so many sunday school classes before you have to start building more building but as long as people have homes we can add it we can keep adding small groups to our church they are infinitely expandable and they are really good stewardship for the church at Rockbrick, we've always believed the church is not a building We are more interested in building disciples than we are in building buildings. You know, we want to build people, not steeples. Buildings are tools, not monuments. And the real issue is you don't build a body on buildings. You build a body on cells. And a body grows by the multiplication of those cells.
0: Now let's look specifically at what are small groups supposed to do. And we find this uh, in the Bible, in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. In Acts 2, Jesus Christ has ascended into heaven. He's commissioned the disciples and his followers to start the church. And we see the beginning of the church, the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2. They're laying the foundation of what the church is supposed to do. Let's just read through this passage. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We see in this passage God laying the foundation of the five purposes of the church. Worship, fellowship, discipleship, ministry, and evangelism. They're all here in Acts chapter 2. And if you're going to be all that God wants you to be, if you're going to do all God wants you to do, you're never going to do it on your own. It takes a team. It takes a community. It takes a body the body of christ in order to become like christ and that's the value of a small group Uh, you have a team to support you and to help you grow now in this passage we're going to see seven things that they did in new testament small groups and if you're not in a small group these are seven things that you're missing out on and if you are in a small group these are the seven things that your small group needs to be doing because small groups are designed for these seven different things so what are small groups supposed to do first one is study the Bible Uh, that's what they did in Acts 2 42 it says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching what's the apostles teaching well what the apostles were teaching in large group in the temple the people were reviewing in homes during the week and the apostles teaching eventually became the New Testament so a small group should study the Bible Now, for our fall spiritual growth campaign, which is coming up in October and November this year, we're going to go through the Gospel of John. We're going to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. The sermons are going to be out of the Gospel of John, and then our small groups are going to focus on the Gospel of John. And those small group sign-ups will start in the middle of September, and so we're trying to give you enough advance notice so you can carve out time right now to participate as our small groups study the Bible together uh, in, in that campaign. The second thing a small group should do is fellowship acts 242 says they devoted themselves to the fellowship they fellowshiped and they ate together fellowship connection with other people you know one of the cultural problems we have in america today is you can live next door to strangers for years and never meet them you know you can pull up open up a garage door drive in shut the door behind you come into a house that's climate controlled it's air conditioned the windows stay shut the doors stay locked and you can come into the house and sit down in front of a box and let strangers entertain you or you can sit down at a, at a computer isolated by yourself and friend people okay, rather than having real friends uh, another problem today is people often don't live with their extended family anymore our, our generations have become more mobile And, you know, used to everybody lived in the same town with your aunts, your uncles, your grandparents, your cousins. And so you had a built-in support network. But today, many people uh, don't live with their extended family in the same area. And so they're isolated, and they've lost that support. Even if your family lives near you, when a crisis hits, it often affects the whole family. And you need a support group beyond your family, in order to help you in those difficult times. You need a small group to support you. Acts 2.46 says they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Food is a tool of fellowship. Uh, how many of you that are in small groups would say that you have grown uh, as a result of eating in your small groups? And I don't mean just grown this way. I mean your fellowship, you have grown together. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a, eating together increases fellowship. If you study the teaching ministry of Jesus Christ, notice how many times Christ taught while walking or eating. Walking or eating. Why did he teach walking or eating? Because when you're walking or eating, you're relaxed. When you're walking or eating, it removes the barriers, it opens you up, the communication flows, and you're more receptive to what you're being taught. That fulfills the purpose of fellowship, the purpose of membership in a small group
1: is number three. We share communion. We share communion. In our church, we share communion in our small groups. Why? It's because they did it in the New Testament. Acts two forty two says they devoted themselves. Uh, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. We don't take the Lord's Supper or communion in our services here at Rockbrook because communion is for believers. And we're trying to reach unbelievers on our weekend. 1 Corinthians 11 explains that one purpose of communion is to promote openness to God and openness with each other. And that can't happen like we talked about in a crowd of 100 or 150. They served communion in Acts 2. We want our small groups to share communion with each other. The fourth thing small groups are supposed to do is we pray for each other. Acts 2.42 says they devoted themselves to prayer. You know, when you get stressed in your life, it helps to have people praying for you. There's power in people praying for you and there's real power in in a group that's praying for you.
0: One of the sweetest times uh, in my week is when my small group guys pray for each other. We get together, we take prayer requests, we write them down on a card, and then we just pray uh, together as a group for one another. And carrying that card through the week and knowing those guys are praying for me and I'm reminded to pray for them, uh, it's just an awesome, sweet time for us. Uh, The fifth thing small groups should do is help each other in practical ways. Uh, This is the purpose of ministry. Acts 2.42, they gave to anyone as he had a need. Fifty-eight times in the New Testament, the phrase one another is used. We are to love one another, care for one another, serve one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, help one another, support one another, rebuke one another, correct one another, build one another up. It is the mutual ministry of the body to itself that makes the church to grow. And you cannot do the fifty-eight one another's in the New Testament unless you are connected to a local church and plugged into a small group. You know, if you choose not to be in a small group, you are opting out of the care support system at Rockbrook. The way we meet practical needs as a church family is through the small groups. Small groups are the care delivery system. You know, the pastors can't possibly meet the needs of everybody in the church. And so when you have a need, the first thing we ask is, what small group are you in? Because we look to the small groups to be the first responders when there's a need. Your small groups are the one who will bring meals over when you're sick. Your small group will provide a ride to the doctor. Your small group can visit you in the hospital. Small groups are there to help you with a funeral or with the birth of a new baby. Small groups help you move. And that alone is reason enough to be in a small group. I've noticed over the years that people in small groups are far less devastated by the crisis of life. Because they have invested in building a support group around them. It's the church taking care of itself at the small group level. As a pastor, I can't personally meet everybody's needs. As the church at large, we can't impersonally meet everybody's needs. You know, I hear people say, well, the church can do this. Can the church help this? Can the church do that? The church is not some amorphous institution that can meet your needs. The church is made up of people plugged into small groups. Small groups who know and care about each other. Small groups are a tremendously effective way of meeting needs. Sixth thing small groups are supposed to do is worship together. Acts 2.47 says they praise God, enjoying the favor of all the people. As they worshiped together, they were recharged spiritually, emotionally, even physically. There's just something about coming together with other believers that renews and refreshes and replenishes us. And coming to worship just on the weekend isn't going to be enough. You know, worship is more than music. Worship is more than just singing together. And so when you gather together as a small group, you have a broader range of worship opportunities that you can do. And they happen during the week when you need to be renewed and re-energized. And so a small group helps you fulfill the purpose of worship or magnification.
1: The seventh thing small groups are to do is that they're to invite others to church. In Acts two it says they were evangelistic. The verse says, Every day the number in their group continued to grow as the Lord added daily those who were being saved. Now, how do you add daily those who are being saved if you're only having weekend services? You've got to have daily small groups to have the Lord adding daily to your church. So I wanted to find three goals that would be a win for Rockbrook's small group ministry. Number one is when we have more people participating in our small groups than we have attending our weekend services. Now, why would that be a win? Because that means our small groups are reaching out to those in our community that don't come to our church. Number two... A win would be when someone is looking for a group to join and they discover they have one meeting right there in their subdivision. You know, We'd like to see a small group planted in every subdivision in Belton and Raymore, Peculiar, Harrisonville, Pleasant Hill, South Kansas City, and Grandview. And number three, a win would be when our small groups go global by planting a small group for an unreached people group. You know, When we travel overseas, most of the churches we visit are basically a small group. They're a house church. It's a small group of people meeting in a, in a hut or in, a, in just a real small home. So we can reproduce groups, uh, small groups globally. So how do you know when a church is healthy? It's real simple. It's reproducing. That's the mark of real maturity is, is when, it, when something has the ability to reproduce. Healthy small groups reproduce healthy disciples that go out and make more disciples by planting small groups. It's like having spiritual babies or grandbabies and great grandbabies. You know, like I mentioned last week, my wife and I joined uh, Rockbrook about 16 years ago, and we jumped right into a small group. Uh, That small group had about six couples in it. From that original small group, uh, my wife and I and those other couples went on to lead other small groups here at Rockbrook. And each one of those groups have reproduced groups. And in turn, those groups have reproduced small groups. Making me a spiritual grandparent. And that's exciting to me. You know, we have other, several other groups that have done the exact same thing. You know, I can just imagine me being here 30, 40 years from now. And being a great, 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 great spiritual grandparent. Small groups are the heartbeat of our church. The weekend is the mouth of our church, but the small groups are the heartbeat of our church. And it's in those cells that the cell must have the DNA of the church. They can't just be Bible studies. They must do all five purposes that we've talked about today. They must worship. They must fellowship. They must disciple. They must minister. And they must evangelize and reproduce the way they did in the New Testament. So let me give you a snapshot of where we are now and what we want to accomplish and and how you can help us. For our May semester, we had 35 small groups, and we had 400-plus adults plugged in to those small groups. And like I mentioned before, the ideal maximum size of a small group is 10 to 12 people. Uh, We had several groups that were over that number because we don't have enough hosts. Uh, Currently, we have 800-plus adults attending our weekend services. That means we need 80-plus small group leaders to accommodate just our weekend services. If we're going to connect the 1,500 people who call Rockbrook Church their home church, then we need 150 small group leaders if we're going to connect all of those people. If we're going to plant small groups in every subdivision in just Belton, Peculiar, and Raymore. We need 200-plus small group leaders to accomplish that goal. You know, our church family believes every member is a minister. And today we are commissioning our members to teach God's word, fellowship with your church family, share communion, pray for each other, serve each other in practical ways, and worship together, and invite others to church and to your small group. You know, in your worship folder is a card. It's a yellow card. Looks like this. Um, I would encourage you to consider hosting a small group so we can accomplish this goal. And uh, you know, you're qualified if you're a, a member of Rockbrook Church. You have a heart for people. You can open your home. You can serve other people, and you can take each, you can take other people through God's word. Now, notice I didn't say teach. I said take. We'll help you. Take people through God's word through this campaign. And if you fill that card out, it doesn't mean that we're going to hold you to lead in a small group. It means that I'm going to contact you and we'll have a conversation. And I will help you take that next step if that's the right thing to do uh, in this season in your life. Thanks. So the goal today is to encourage you to get
0: plugged into a small group, but the small groups aren't going to start until the first part of October. Uh, sign-ups are going to start in mid-september. So what do you do in the meantime? The four or five weeks that we've got here before this starts to roll out. Well, I want to encourage you to do one thing, and that is to go to our website, uh, www.rockbrook.org, or stop by the resource table and pick up the CD of the Scheduling Margin Sermon, and listen to that sermon again. And then use the principles that you learn in there to prune your schedule so that you have time for a small group. And one of the reasons why we're giving you so much advance notice on this is so you'll have time to clear your schedule so you can get ready to participate. Uh, sometimes when the campaigns kick off, we ask people to, to participate. Oh, I'm just so busy. I'm so busy. Well, now you've got a window of time to prune some of those activities so that you can establish the margin that you need to get plugged into a small group. A uh, second thing I'd encourage you to consider is getting plugged into one of our ministries. Uh, last weekend, this weekend, next weekend, we've got some tables set up in the back and along the side over here uh, with information about some of our ministries. And there are there's brochures there and people there to answer your questions because we'd like for you to get plugged into a place to serve. Now, if you're going to be involved in one of the ministries, you need to be a member of Rockbrook and you need to be in a small group. That's one of the things that's unique about Rockbrook. All the people that you see involved around here on the weekend... Uh, the worship team, the choir, the greeters, uh, the ushers, the, the teachers in Rockbrook for kids, even our cleaning and setup crew. All of those people have made the commitment of membership, and they're all plugged into a small group. And they have a ministry. Many of them have more than one ministry. You know, How do they do that? Where do they find the time to do all of that? You know, they don't have any less to do than anyone else. They're all working families. They're raising their kids. They're going to school. They've got hobbies and sports and activities. They don't have any more time in their week than anyone else. How do they do it? They've made the commitment to carve out the time to create the margin in their life so that they can put God first. It's a choice that they've made. And God is blessing that choice. And God wants to do the same kind of work in your life. Over the years as a pastor, I have noticed that the more you surrender your life to Christ, the more ordered, the more peaceful, the less frantic life becomes. Because you can either surrender your life to Christ, or you can surrender your life to chaos. And when you take the steps to become a member of a church, when you step out and join a small group, when you step up and start serving in ministry, God is honored by your life. And God blesses your sacrifice in return. And so I'd encourage you right now, start planning now to take the membership class the first part of October. Start planning now to get plugged into a small group. If you're already a, a member, if you're already plugged into a small group, then sign up for one of our ministries. You know, Take your spiritual growth to a whole new level. We are gearing up for a great fall here at Rockbrook. We're gearing up for a great future at Rockbrook. Like the church in Acts 2, we are earnestly seeking for God to add daily to our number those who are being saved. And we want you to play a role in that, to share in that great harvest. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that you not only tell us what to do, but you show us how to do it. And you modeled in the New Testament a a concept of large group worship and small group fellowship. You modeled for us a church family that was a body that had healthy, growing members, people who were committed to worship, fellowship, discipleship, ministry, and evangelism. So God, I would pray that you'd help us to make that same kind of a commitment, a commitment to believing, belonging, and becoming like Christ. If you're here today and you've never made the commitment to believe in Christ, that's where it starts, just to open up your heart and life to Him, say, Jesus, I believe you are God's Son, my Savior, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Give me a new life. Just like you were born into a physical family, you need to be reborn into God's spiritual family. Place your trust in Christ so that you can become part, so that you can belong to the body of Christ. And then as you belong, I would pray that your commitment would increase so that more and more you would become like Jesus Christ. That your life would change, your family life would change, that your relationships with neighbors and friends and co-workers would change, that you would have a ripple impact that flows out from you to the world around you. God, what a wonderful plan you've put together. You offer us your grace and your mercy and your strength to do it. Help us to step up and take the steps that we need to take. In Jesus' name, amen.